communities are rich in resources. They open doors to possibilities. And in moments where we're feeling burned to the ground or chopped down or at a loss, that the seeds that we have planted and the connections we have made can actually return to feed us, to give us the nourishment we need to grow anew. Welcome to Messy and Magnificent, the place driven women come to elevate their career, health, and relationships. In here, we increase your productivity by replacing always being busy with the space to breathe. Hear your own wisdom and be part of a sisterhood that has your back. My name is Carly Fain, and together we're going to make sure that you have a doable plan and the roots to rise. Hot diggity dog. It is your gal Carly over here. And if I could be welcoming you to today's episodes with balloons and confetti and a cake full of candles, you best believe I would. Because maybe you've been tuning in with us each week for nearly two years now. What? Two years? Really? That's what I hear in my head every time I say that. Yes, it's been almost two years, or maybe it's your first time joining us. And if so, I am so glad you're here because today is our 100th episode on Messy and Magnificent. Now, this is a significant milestone for many reasons, but I'm going to pick just one in the interest of time. And that reason is that I used to never follow through on things. Well, let me clarify especially the things that really lit me up, that got me excited, which seems counterintuitive, right? But alas, it's true. And my goodness, did I judge myself on top of that for not following through. Tell me if any of this is relatable for you or someone you know, but I would have an idea for a project or a business move or a trip or something I wanted to learn. I'd get super excited about it maybe even spend some money on the supplies I thought I needed. Like if I'm doing a workout, then I'm going to need new workout clothes, right? And I would talk to close people about it. And then a few weeks in, I just start to lose my mojo. I still liked the idea, but I had a full life with responsibilities and things to tend to. And slowly my idea would become like a misplaced earring under the sofa. Still beautiful, but just down there collecting dust. And I hear this from so many women. Things that sound like, Carly, I have a follow-through problem. And you know what my experience is when I'm talking to high achievers who think they have a follow-through problem? It's that follow-through isn't about having enough willpower or desire. That's not the thing. Rather, follow-through takes two important things, nourishment and community. In other words, most of us are really good at setting goals, like I'm going to eat differently starting on Monday, or I'm going to start this new exercise thing, or I'm going to start to read a book a month, or apply for a new job. And when that doesn't happen, when we don't continue on with it, it's easy to internalize this as another failure. And that knocks our confidence down a peg. But what I've noticed is that people who are able to follow through on things have the same exuberance for their ideas as everybody else. But then, in some way, in their own words, they start to ask a question that sounds something like, okay, cool, this is my goal, or this is the thing I care about that I want to show up for. So what do I need in order to make showing up for it possible? Did you catch that? 
You see, they see the desire like a car. They don't expect it to run on an empty tank. Rather, they consider, what fuel is this car going to need in order to get me where I want to go? And this is really interesting for high-achieving women because most of us have learned at some point that if we want something done, we've got to do it ourselves. We've got to, you know, have experience pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps, flexing our metaphorical or literal muscles and getting to work. And that does work at first. In fact, it could be really important to pull ourselves up and get moving. But that whole, if I want it done right, I've got to do it myself mentality is also how we plateau. It will only get us so far before we feel stuck treading water in place if we don't move to the next stage. Or as Tom Stedding said on an episode he did with us about the solo hero, and I'll put a link to that here in the show notes, this is what we've been taught. We've been taught this beautiful ideal of being the hero, but solo heroes are not thriving people. (laughs) All my experience has shown me that sure, a solo hero might be doing well in one area. For example, their work might be going great, but you best believe they're suffering from ailments in their health or their relationships or vice versa. See, that solo hero mentality, it's the shortcut to an insidious form of isolation, even when you're surrounded by people. In fact, this is so common, we've got a name for it. You might have heard me mention this before. We call it in my practice, popular isolation. Now, popular isolation is this phenomenon by where a woman has good friends or good family or good coworkers, and yet still feels like the weight of the world is on her shoulders. And even while other people praise her for how much she does and gets done, there's this sense of being behind because she's got important aspirations for herself or her community or her circle of people. But how in the world is she supposed to get to that when she has so much on her plate? Well, science backs this. A 2010 study by Brigham Young University found that social interaction is more important to overall health than we previously assumed. In fact, the study suggested that too little social connection is worse than not enough exercise. But when I say social connection, (laughs) all social connection is not made equal. So this month, as we celebrate 100 episodes together, I want to extend my gratitude to you for the community that you have been growing right here alongside me. By listening in, by coming to the free live events we do, by leaving reviews on iTunes so that I can hear your thoughts, or maybe you engage with me on social media between episodes. In this way, I want you to know that I see you as a co-founder in our podcast culture. And that is something I don't have words big enough yet to describe my gratitude for you. Getting to learn and grow and be with you is a gift to me and to all of us that tune in. So I want to give you the most precious and important professional and personal gift I can think of, community. And not just any community. (laughs) I want to give you the resources and support from the extraordinary people in my personal circle. You are going to hear the voices of women I know personally that have been incredible lifelines and teammates. We are high dry rocks for each other when the waters of life are raging. We are the roots to each other's rising, and I want you to have access to this too, so that we're sure that we're making sure that the best of what is possible for you goes from dream to reality. For example, I'm talking about things like this messy and magnificent podcast, 
Now, there's no way for you to know this because I've kept it quiet like a secret batch of failure for years. In fact, I don't even think my podcast team knows this. But years ago, when podcasting first began, I started a podcast myself. And back then I was teaching yoga part-time in order to help fund the start of my company, Everybody Thrive. And so I created, I don't know, three or four episodes that were guided meditations that my students liked. And then I stopped. (laughs) My podcast went crickets because I didn't have the nourishment and support to tend to it when I was also needing to be making money and managing the rest of my life. In other words, I didn't have community by my side yet. So when I felt the desire to start a podcast again years later, about two years ago now, I pushed it aside with thoughts that sounded like, look, Carly, you don't have any time for this now either. But that little nudge inside my heart that kept saying, it's time to create more community. It's time to start a podcast wouldn't leave me alone. So I did the only thing I know how to do when that keeps happening. I listened to it. Because it would crop up while I was washing dishes, while I'm sending emails, while I'm going about my business in my house at that point in upstate New York. Podcast, podcast, podcast was this whisper I felt in my chest. So I reached out to somebody who I knew had done a podcast before, my sister Kelsey, and she introduced me to Jeannie Saraswati, the founder of Jeannie Media and the producer of all 100 of these episodes. And Ginny and I connected immediately. You ever have that happen where you meet somebody and you are just immediate friends? Well, with Ginny's guidance and then the work of Ash, our audio engineer, Laura, who grabs our quotes. We've got Aaron, who does our copywriting and also helps us with research. Hans, who creates the graphics for the show. Sarah, who used to help oversee it all. And of course, our dear Anitza, that serves as the communication between our company and the podcast team on every single episode, this community has made it possible to stick with something. I am not a self-made woman, and I am proud to have let that title go. See, this community that we've got here gives each other the ability to feel vulnerable or scared or unsure and not judge anyone for it, to try something new and be reminded of our courage and our capability. We also share our skills and expertise with each other, and we hold one another accountable. Yes, it turns out we don't need yes people all the time when we're trying to live into a goal. Rather, we need somebody who will say, Carly, you got to get that episode to me by Thursday or we're not going to have a show on Monday. (laughs) And that's what I want to give you this month, because I did not always have a community like this, not at all. And communities are rich in resources. They open doors to possibilities. And we'll talk more about this later this month, about how I went from popular isolation to being surrounded by the best people on the planet. But if you've never had that feeling before, or you're just ready for a little more support or a sense of rejuvenation, this is the episode for you. So let me pause right here and do my favorite part. I'm going to give a shout out. Here's how one courageous, capable, and inspiring woman in my circle, Meg Montgomery, a member of our Council of Boundary Makers, described the way our community operates. I feel like it's an incredibly diverse group of people with totally different backgrounds, a lot of similarities, but we're all coming together for like the same purpose and the same cause, right? And we're all just here to support each other and lift each other up. I don't think I really knew what to expect coming into this. And 
I think I've just been kind of surprised by everything <laughs> and just how welcoming and supportive and accepting everyone is and just how inspired I feel every time I come on these calls. And when I leave for like hours, I'm just like smiling. I go back to work and I'm like, this was amazing. <laughs> like, it's so good. But it, I think too, just, just really having the space to be vulnerable in this way is different from anything else I have in my life. And I have a huge support network of people, but nothing quite like this. Oh, Meg, I am so fortunate to know you. Thank you for letting us share this soundbite of you here. Your presence in our community adds depth, a spirit of curiosity and growth and joy and accomplishment that is contagious in the best possible sense, Meg. I can't wait for us to hang out and sip tea in person. And if you're listening and you're wondering, what the heck is the Council of Boundary Makers? Well, it's this group of women that serves as the advisors and ambassadors for the work we do in the Boundary Academy. And this particular community of women, this Council of Boundary Makers, was born when I had a total flop trying to launch part of the Boundary Academy solo. And I shared that story in episode 76. It was called Just Thrown a Curveball, the specifics of how my company builds something new and revamps after our plans are foiled I'll put a link to that in the show notes if you want to hear what we did there when things were totally not working and how the idea to involve more women has created such a rich and prosperous program. So if you're listening and you have experienced something here in our community, please head on over to iTunes and leave a review. This way I can give you a shout out on an upcoming episode plus... When you do that, it boosts our rating in the podcast algorithm. And so more women are able to see that our show and community exists. So really, this two-minute action of leaving a review could have a profound positive impact for a woman who's looking for just this. And lots of women tune in because they do Google searches for words like boundary or sisterhood or I'm tired of being burnt out. So your review really could make a difference. I'll put a link to that right here in the show notes. And just so that I don't keep saying it, There are links to everything I reference here in the show notes. So if I reference an article, a person, a research study, a resource, it's always right here wherever you're listening, or you can head on over to carlyvane.com forward slash podcast and look for this episode and it's all right there. So here's what we're going to cover today. Number one, we're going to talk about what community really is and why it's so important. Number two, we're going to go over four benefits of belonging within a community. And then we're going to get into the five types of community. And this is a really eye-opening way to look at the different types of relationships you have. In fact, I'm going to give you a very informal exercise for you to see which types of community really make sense for you right now and where maybe not so much. This episode is brought to you by the Boundary Academy. 15 years of coaching thousands of women has taught me that it doesn't matter how good our plans, our intentions are, our network, or even our access to external resources. If we don't have the boundaries we need to honor what we care about, we will always struggle with a lack of time or energy or money or downright satisfaction. You see, Women who have thriving, healthy careers and relationships know that boundaries aren't just something nice you get to later. 
There's something you practice gently now so that you have the later that you want. So you can get free access to the recording of the Boundaries Brunch we did right before the Boundary Academy opened. There's a link to it in the show notes wherever you're listening or head on over to carlyfane.com. And in this 45-minute class, you're going to learn the three mindsets that women with healthy boundaries already know and live into, plus lots of rich, candid conversation with thought leaders in the field of boundaries and women who are just getting started. There's nothing for sale in there. Just rich content you're not going to get anywhere else. Because that hunch you're meant to be doing something meaningful and enjoyable with your life and career, it's right. I hope you'll join me and women from around the world that are making having boundaries oh so doable. All right, let's dive in. Let's talk about what community really is and why it's so important. So if you've hung out with me at all, you know I love a good metaphor. And one of my best buddies, a colleague, a dear friend, and a co-conspirator in the cultivation of joy and hope and resiliency is Dr. Maria Serwa. Now, Maria is a psychologist. She is an exceptional speaker and teacher and international thought leader in the field of positive psych. Now, you might have caught the two episodes we've done with Maria. We've done one each year of this podcast. And hint, hint, Maria, if we're entering our third year, you got to come back. There's links to them here. One is particularly timely as we enter the holiday season. It was episode six. Feeling the holiday stress, a framework for more ease during full time. So if you're having a full time, that's the one for you. But we also shared an episode with her about masterful storytelling. And this is exactly what you're about to hear. At a recent meeting, Maria took us on a left turn that led us where we actually needed to be going when she spontaneously shared some research about trees, believe it or not, cultivating a metaphor for why community matters that none of us will ever forget. And at one point, you're going to hear Maria mention a term we use in our community called the fertile void. If you're new here, that's a term I first learned from Kate Northrup, and it refers to that space just before we begin something new where we might feel lost or uncertain or have no idea what to do next. Check this out. Can I just share my new learning about trees? Yes, please. So the New York Times months ago came out with this gorgeous magazine article about the interconnected underground root network system in which nutrients from trees are passed to each other and that even as a tree is dying it passes its its goodness to others and um it's all about sort of mushrooms and zomes and all these biological terms i don't know what they mean but it's so cool well recently i read another blog about um if you go into the redwood forest you can often see a burned out place where a tree has died or you know suffered from fire and so there's this blackened space and then a, a, in the middle a small sapling like a baby tree is growing but around the baby tree in the blackened space is a ring of trees and what they've uncovered is that as the tree dies it continues again to give nutrients and that ring of trees is really the children and grandchildren of that initial tree who then feed the land back so that the old tree can reemerge as the new sapling. Isn't that gorgeous? Wow. So how that connects to the model is 
the faith, here's Mariella's word, the faith that when I'm in the fertile void, that the other things I've contributed are continuing to nurture and nourish others or the work in the world. So I don't need to feel like just because I'm in fertile void right now that my life doesn't have meaning. Like other things have grown because of the work done prior. And because of the work done prior, I'm being, here's a more faith, I'm being fed back nutrients to help me emerge again. That's my new metaphor. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for sharing that, Maria. Wow. Gosh, I wish you could have been there live to see the faces of the other nine women on this call when Maria came up with her tree metaphor here. We were all leaning in. Maria, I love you so much. I imagine angels are secretly studying you to learn how to love and live spectacularly. So what Maria is talking about here is how interconnected we all are and how in moments where we're feeling burned to the ground or chopped down or at a loss, that the seeds that we have planted and the connections we have made can actually return to feed us, to give us the nourishment we need to grow anew. And this reminds me of how Francis Moore Lapp writes in their book, You Have the Power, Choosing Courage in a Culture of Fear, about how community is the antithesis of fear. Did you catch that? What Francis is suggesting is that the antidote to fear And the place that bolsters our courage is community. And now is certainly a moment for community. Rish C. Zamor, who's the executive director of the Professional Services Division of the Latin American Health Institute in Boston, pointed out something in an article they wrote recently for the Aikida Center for Peace, Learning, and Dialogue about the word community. And this is something I have never realized before. Tell me if you got this way before I did. But they pointed out that the suffix of the word community and the root are common and unity, (laughs) common unity, which means a certain segment of the population is united by this familiar thread. We have unity around what we share in common, or as Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. called community, a web of mutuality. So for the purpose of this month, when I say community, I am referring to the place where you find mutual support, togetherness, and a sense of belonging. This place is like a good meal for you, and that in some way it gives you sustenance and nourishment and fuel for the fires of what you most care about. And true community has reciprocity, meaning it's a two-way street. We give and receive in a round circle when we're in a healthy community. So now that we're on the same page about how we're defining community, let's talk about four benefits of belonging to community. And first, I want to mention this phrase, Anne-Marie Fayola wrote in Forbes, sometimes a person's desire to feel like they belong is put down as a sign of insecurity or neediness. It's not. Humans are social creatures, and it's the most natural basic thing in the world for us to want to be members of a tribe or a pack or a clan, and ignoring that need can be harmful, end quote. I really appreciate this. If you're feeling like you're craving community, you're definitely in the right conversation. And perhaps it's because these are some of the benefits you're ready to be on the receiving end to. We mentioned these on our second episode, actually, of the podcast. This is how important community is. The episode was called Nobody Really Gets You. 
how to upgrade your relationships as an adult. And number one, we talked about how women with quality friends live longer and recover from illness quicker. Number two, women with quality friends have a professional leg up. In fact, research from Notre Dame and Northwestern University showed that the number one indicator of a woman's professional success is her connection to other women. Isn't that amazing? It wasn't how much money she had. It wasn't what level of education she had. The more women she was connected to who were willing to help her, the better she would do. Number three, a tremendous benefit of being in community is that we process stress in a much healthier way. Now, one example of that is some research that shows that women actually have a tend and befriend response in addition to a fight and flight response. Meaning when things are tricky and hard, we don't necessarily want to fight or flee. Some of us crave slowing down and tending to it. Now, we may or may not have the time or give ourselves the time to do that, but we actually want to acknowledge what's happening in real time. We find that helpful. And furthermore, we look to befriend people. We look to talk to other people about this hard thing that's going on. For example, the old cliche of wanting to stop and ask for directions, right? I want to find my way out of this mess, so I want to tend to the fact that I'm lost, and I want to befriend somebody. I want to reach out and see if this passerby can point me in the right direction. And then the fourth reason that we're going to talk about right here, that belonging to community is such an important benefit, is that it helps all of society. Lots of studies, including one that came out of Harvard, show that women use their connections and their power and their influences to help other women and other people. So when you are connected to community, it is beneficial for you, but it is actually beneficial for all of us. So it is in no way selfish for you to prioritizing being part of circles that have your back. In fact, it's one of the most generous things you can do. So let's talk about those five types of community. So it's one thing to say community is beneficial, but what kind of community is beneficial? And as we go through these five types, I want you to do what we always do here, which is not try to master them all. Rather, which of these specific types is really speaking to you right now? Which one is standing out? If you had a pen and a piece of paper, I would love for you to even rank as we go through each of these five on a scale from one to 10. Where do you fall? in each of these communities? Do you have a lot of it? Not so much? Maybe something in the middle? Be a scientist of your own experience. Suspend judgment, get out your metaphorical clipboard, and just take note on where you are in relation to each types of these communities. And this list comes to us from Feverbee. And they're really approaching it from a more corporate and customer engagement level. But I think this is relevant far beyond our professional careers. It's really relevant to all parts of our days. So here we go. In no particular order, type of community number one is a community of interest, as in communities of people who share a common interest or passion that you have. So I don't know, maybe you're into role-playing Dungeons and Dragons. And so you've got your community of folks who love to do that. They want to talk with you about Dungeons and Dragons all day long, or they want to talk to you about psychology, or they want to talk with you or create with you watercolor paintings, right? You've got a common interest. The second type of community is a community of action, 
These are communities of people who are trying to bring about change. So this could look like something as simple as, you know, when you were a teenager, lobbying in your high school to have better snacks in the cafeteria, right? Or it could look like as an adult, really advocating for social justice, for making sure that the voices of all people are included or anything else that you really are passionate about. The third type of community is a community of place. And when I say community of place, I mean groups of people who are brought together by geographical boundaries. So this could be the street you live on or the apartment complex you live in or the town, the city, the state, the country, the part of the map in which you reside. Now, the fourth type of community is a community of practice. So these are communities of people who might be in the same profession or they undertake the same types of activities. So maybe you're taking a guitar class, either online or in person, and you're all practicing how to do that. Or you're a doctor or a lawyer or a yoga teacher or a massage therapist. And so you're in the same profession. These are folks who can relate to what the circumstances of your particular career or your activities are like. And I find this one to be particularly helpful when I'm considering what community I might go to for support around an idea. So with a community of practice, I found that sometimes as I run my own company, I have to talk to other people who run their own companies about what's going on for me. Because as much as my loved ones who work for other people or who are not employed want to help and support, they might not have the context or the understanding or the expertise to really be able to offer a compassionate listening ear or to give ideas or solutions that are applicable. So having a community of practice is really important. And finally, the fifth type of community we're going to highlight here today is a community of circumstance. These are communities of people brought together by external events or situations. I remember when my former fiance Adam passed away suddenly, one of my earlier thoughts in the earlier days was, I do not want to be part of the community of grieving. I am not interested in that. I like that is not where I want to be. And yet, as time unfolded, I found that that community could relate and offer support in ways that have made my life so much richer, more connected, and more meaningful. So that's one external event. It doesn't all have to be the hard external events. Other circumstances, you know, you could be brought together as you're on the same sports team. Maybe you went to the Olympic tryouts with somebody or you've got something else in common, a nationality, a similar life experience or having been through something that this group can relate to. So those five types of community, community of interest or action or place or practice or circumstance, They all exist and are available to us. And you might be able to see how different ones could be applicable in different situations and how we might go to certain ones for certain things and not so much for other things. So I want you to pause for a beat here and think about of these five communities, which of them makes sense for you to focus on this week between now and our next episode? Is there a community of interest you might go to or action or place or practice or circumstance? And I want to emphasize that the community doesn't need to be large. And in the beginning, if you're thinking, oh my gosh, I don't have anybody in my community of action right now or in my community of circumstance right now, 
We can begin with authors or poets or podcasts or movies, anything that was written or inspired by somebody who is part of that community. So if you're looking to take up basket weaving and you don't know anybody in your circle yet, your community can begin by going online or to your local library, right? And starting there and seeing who's writing about this topic right now. We don't have to always know the community members. We start by knowing what our desire is. And then we figure out who's got a similar desire or interest to that. Where are they? And how can I meet them, even if it's in the pages of a book to begin? And I'm going to check back in with you on that, right? So being part of your community, I'm going to want to know from you next week. What did you learn about your interactions with community, your relationship to community, and what does and doesn't make sense for you right now? So we covered a lot today. We covered things about the subject of community and why it matters and of the different types of communities we can be connected to. And throughout the month, we're going to talk more specifically about how to find and embrace your ideal community. And we're also having a very special conversation with Dr. Sanem Aaron, who is a psychologist in Australia who brought us a beautiful way of cultivating our boundaries as a way of forming community. So in the meantime, I want to know from you, what is one thought or idea or rephrase from today's episode that is standing out to you? Take that on over to iTunes and leave a review or email a quick voice memo or even a written email to Anitza. A-N-I-T-Z-A at everybodythrive.com. She will read and respond to you with so much enthusiasm and we can weave your voice or thoughts into an upcoming episode. We really do rise well together. Remember, you thrive through nourishment, not punishment. Keep taking care of what you value, including the communities that give you life right now. And I'll see you again next week. Thank you for listening to the Messy and Magnificent podcast and being part of this dynamic, life-giving community of women. I consider each episode part of a lifelong conversation of you and me hanging out, sipping tea together, making sure that all women become richer, more nourished, and able to keep on rising. So I'll see you on the next episode next week. But in the meantime, don't forget to head over to carlyfane.com forward slash podcast to get the full show notes. And I've also got some extra special free resources for driven women over there that you won't find anywhere else.